As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to a Friday edition, a VIP edition of the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports and powered, as you know, by Overtime Media I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him, you love him as your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, here we are hitting the weekend with another productive week of podcasting and just dropping all kinds of Broncos content for the VIPs, the listeners, the readers. How you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm, I'm kind of going through withdrawals, though, because you go through that, that quick frenzy of free agency, and then it just slows to a crawl. And then we're done until the draft for the most part. So I want more, you know, more stuff to come out. I'm itching for more Broncos news. We're going to get it soon enough. One thing we have to look forward to is because the Broncos have a new head coach, they get to start OTAs early. So I think it's, what, the first week of April? April 1st, off-season program. So at least we have that to look forward to. A couple of really slow weeks between now and then, but at least that comes sooner than, than the usual season. Right. Well, at least we'll be in the building with uh, Lauren Landau and the strength conditioning program. That's the only thing they can do in the first phase of the, of the offseason program. But at least Fangio will get everyone in one place back in Dove Valley. We'll get some pictures. It should be interesting to see what they look like. Yeah, and they'll be made to uh, available to the media, so we'll get some quotes and we can analyze. And really, it's just our first chance to kind of see this thing begin to take shape, and that's always exciting. So we have a great show for you guys today. We're going to take a peek inside the VIP Mile High Mailbag. Before we dive into that quick matter of business, you guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter. Really easy to do. Open up the app on your phone. Find at HuddleUpPod. Click the follow button. We're up and over 1,000 followers. We appreciate all of you who have taken the time to follow the show on Twitter. If you haven't done that, just take a quick second, get that done. And then also, if you haven't, you've heard it every episode of the last six months, leave a creative review on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating if you haven't done it. Now, maybe you don't listen to the show on iTunes, and if that's the case, okay. But if you are an iTunes user and listener and you have not left a creative review and rated the show, this is your call to action. Please take care of that. You have no idea how much that can help us grow and reach new listeners and just keep the health and vitality of the show pointing in the right trajectory. All right, Zach, so it's that time of week where we take a peek inside the Mile High Mailbag because, as you listeners know, Zach and I, we are your football priests, and each and every week we are here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. And sometimes you all just need to, you know, unburden your souls, exercise the demons, and that's what we're here for, to give you that, that platform to do so. Our first one here comes from Arctic Bronco. Now, a quick aside, if you haven't, you guys got to become VIP subscribers on the website. It's really easy to do. Milehighhuddle.com, boom, hit enter. You're going to see the green banner. It says subscribe, green, VIP. You click that. You have two options. You can either be an annual subscriber or a monthly subscriber. You choose, sign up, 
become a member, and then from there you get access to our MHH Insiders VIP Forum, all of our film room breakdowns, all of our in-depth premium content that is for VIPs only, and you get access to the VIP mailbag each and every Friday that Zach and I drop. So that's how you do it. Now this one comes from Arctic Bronco going on two months, Zach, as a VIP subscriber. He says, if they don't, the Broncos, get a burner at wide receiver, is it likely that Philip Lindsay will take a higher frequency of reps outside, or will he stay in the backfield on passing downs? He did run a 4-3-9 at his pro day. Do you see the Broncos splitting out Philip Lindsay as a wide receiver in any form of consistency? That's a great point, and actually one that Scangarello made in his intro presser was that Lindsay is going to be moved around a lot, and that's what the Niners did with all their running back from the Kinnon, uh, even their fullback, um, Kyle Jusic. What's his name? Jusic. 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 Yeah, even he can catch passes, and they have one Andy uh, Janovich who's versatile. So yes, if they don't get a burner, which I think they'll do in the mid round, just someone who can run a, a simple nine route. Then they will go into the season with Emmanuel Sanders, hopefully 100%. And then you have Lindsey, who's that chess piece. Play receiver, play running back, good in pass pro. He's a three-down player. He's going to get the ball in his hands a lot. Hopefully he's uh, healthy coming back from wrist surgery. But when he's on the field, he's going to get a lot of touches, both rushing and receiving. And it will be interesting to see whether or not Brandon Langley can step in and win some reps because Mm. he does have that long speed to be a burner. And he's got kind of sneaky and freaky athleticism. There's a lot to like there, but as we've talked about on the show before, and some of you might be newer listeners, but the biggest concern we have with Brendan Langley all, re- you know, all of a sudden just flipping and going from being a cornerback to a wide receiver it, and taking those reps is you're taking reps away from already established and proven at some level anyway, wide receivers, whether it's Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick, River Craycraft. You, you want to be careful as a team. they they got to be careful to walk the line in terms of giving Langley his looks, giving him his opportunity without overdoing it and taking away from the growth and development of those other wide receivers. Here's why I'm not high on Brennan Langley. He came out and literally admitted he wasn't comfortable moving backward as a quarter, cornerback, and that's why he's moving the receiver. If he's that mentally soft where he can't play that position, I mean, it's one thing to run on the field in shorts and a t-shirt and make cool videos, but when you're getting jammed on the line by an all-pro corner, I mean, can you really beat that jam and run down the field, make that passing and catch in traffic and you know break away? I just don't think he has that toughness. And I think the Broncos, like, like what they're doing with Jeff Hireman, they're hanging on to another third-round draft pick to see if they can squeeze any juice out of him. Maybe he can make the roster. I don't know. I don't like his odds personally, but I just don't think a player who is not even comfortable fulfilling the basic responsibility of playing that position is going to convert and suddenly become a contributor. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, if it works out, great, but don't say Don't count on it. Yeah, just don't count on it. Next question here comes from Kiwi Bronco, going on two months also as a VIP subscriber. Kiwi says, hey guys, I know the focus has been on the combine and free agency, but I thought with the main signings likely done for now and a month to go before the draft, I would go another direction. From a forum perspective, it is hard to follow the internal politics that is the Broncos' ownership. Can you give a heads up on what is likely to play out with the ownership saga this year and how each faction could affect the Broncos moving forward? Well, first of all, thanks for listening. Thanks for being a VIP subscriber. Kiwi, we can only assume you're from down under somewhere. But to answer your question, here's the latest on the Broncos' ownership situation. is Bill Bolin, Pat's brother filed a suit against the the Pat Bowen Trust, which is three guys, or three people anyway, headed by current team president and CEO, 
Joe Ellis. In that suit, uh, Pat's brother, Bill, was basically making a, a case on behalf of his nieces, uh, or one niece, what is it, uh, Beth Bolin Wallace, that she should be given more of an opportunity, basically, but and trying to say that uh, you know the the trust is is in dereliction of their duty, and they came to their first fork in the road, Zach, just this past week or within the last week, and a judge basically had the opportunity to throw this thing out, and he didn't. This thing is going to continue, and to answer your question for Kiwi Broncos, Zach. I don't think there's any resolution in the near future on the horizon that we can predict with any kind of confidence at this point. Things are really up in the air, and I think that more and more attention is going to be brought to bear on this situation. The league's going to be paying a lot more attention to it. I hope that there's some kind of resolution within the next two years, but it, it might even take longer than that. Yeah, I mean, they don't even have a stadium sponsor yet. They, they they really have bigger fish to fry in the immediate present for the Broncos as a football team. And to quote Andrew Brandt, there will be lawyers. This is going to be a nasty internal f- family spat that's going to play out for one or two years, like you said, Chad. I don't see any resolution in sight. I think ultimately one of the power will get shifted to one of the, the kids like Brittany or Beth Bowen Wallace, but not anytime soon. They have bigger short-term things to worry about on a cosmetic side, on a football side, and it's going to be a nasty thing that's going to drag out uh, for quite a while. And really, it sounds like the trust, led by Joe Ellis, prefers to kind of slow roll this thing and then eventually hand it on to Brittany Bolin, who is one of the daughters of Pat and Annabelle, his second and current wife, whereas Beth is a daughter from his first marriage, or at least one of his earlier marriages. And so she's in a weird way she's one of the older ones and i think she's in her 50s if i recall right zach outside looking in but she has a legitimate gripe because pat boland put certain things in place requirements so to speak for whichever one of his heirs were to become kind of you know succeed to the throne so to speak and one of them was they had to have experience with the team or in the league and beth boland was given the opportunity and she got her education and she you know, got a job within the organization, and at some point she pissed off Pat Bull or uh, Joe Ellis, excuse me. And we don't know exactly what the point of demarcation was, where they, you know, came to a dis- disagreement, but she was fired from the team, and since then has been kind of on the outside looking in, and it's kind of shifted Zach more towards it. It really feels like they want this thing to go to Brittany Bull and the trust. Yeah, I was just going to say, internally, they I think they feel way more comfortable with her, and he, they're, she's less of an annoyance, put you know, put bluntly, than uh, Beth Bolin. I think in the end, she stands a, a great shot of inheriting the team, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. All right, so next question here comes from Mile High Canada, another foreign slash, you know, I mean, you're, you're in North America anyway, so you're not, it's hard to think of our Canadian neighbors as foreign, but Mile High Canada... Uh, three months going on as a VIP. Question is, Zach, is there a non-QB in this draft that you think the Broncos would or should trade up to make sure they get? Now, I assume he's talking in the you know the top ten. Two that come to mind are defensive players, and I would say either Quinn Williams or uh, Devin White. If they had a trade up for a guy that's on a quarterback, those are my guys. I mean, you put those players on this defense, it's the last final link to the Broncos being a championship defense. So to me, uh, Williams or White are my guys to trade up for. I like Devin White, and if he were the pick at 10, and Drew Locke's off the board and Dwayne Haskins off the board, I would be happy and stoked. But I'm, 
I have a hard time trading up in the top 10 because for, for an off-ball linebacker because it probably means you're giving up next year's first-round pick. So for me, the only defensive or even non-quarterback prospect for me would be Quinn and Williams if you're going to make a trade. But that would be assuming that he drops, you know, to, he starts dropping a little bit and you get an opportunity to uh, kind of swoop in there and capitalize. But Quinn and Williams for me. Next question here, Zach, comes from Kyle Heckman going on 15 months as a VIP subscriber. Kyle says, with talk of possibly getting Devin White at 10, are there any teams that might jump us to get him or be a threat to take him before us? Uh, the the Bucks I think, are the biggest threat right now at number five. They supposedly love him, and obviously they're ahead of Denver. Um, I don't see – Chad, you, made, you brought a good point up that I don't see many teams trading up for an inside linebacker, an off-ball linebacker, a non-premium position. Uh, they have Bush in this draft, who's a comparable talent. I would love Devin White. I just um, – yeah. I don't know if he's going to be on the board. I think the Bucks really, really are enamored with him. Yeah, all the, all the talk is that Tampa loves Devin White, a team that's behind the Broncos – that is definitely in the off-ball linebacker market is are the Pittsburgh Steelers. So if he starts dropping, it wouldn't surprise me to see the Steelers try and make a move. But again, they just signed Mark Barron, didn't they? Yeah, but but Mark Barron's a converted safety, and even though there's a lot to like there, they don't really have long-term option to hang their hat on. So like even if the Broncos would have gone out and signed Mark Barron, you still kind of have a need for that depth and that young guy to come in and be the future of the position. And Devin White, as, as exciting as he is as a player, is he really worth any team, including the Broncos or the Steelers behind them, moving mountains to get into the top 10? I don't really see that myself, Zach. No, didn't the Steelers draft one of the Edmonds players last year at the inside linebacker, I believe? I just don't see them trading up ahead of the Broncos. I don't see them surrendering capital uh, for an inside linebacker in this draft. We still have a few questions to get to in the Mile High Mailbag VIP edition. But first, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, you guys, we march on through the mailbag. This one comes from Studley, three months, a VIP subscriber. Studley says, which Broncos personnel will be at Drew Locke's Pro Day? And were there Broncos people at Dwayne Haskins or Kyler Murray's Pro Days? Zach, you're not going to see GMs. Uh, or for the Broncos anyway, you're not going to see a GM at the Pro Day. What you're really looking for, it's going to be scouts, and what you're looking for is what type of presence is there. You know, are they, is it, mm-hmm. did they send one guy? Are they out in force? And yeah, I mean, the Broncos definitely, absolutely had scouts at the Ohio State Pro Days and the Oklahoma Pro Days, and they will have at least one guy at the Missouri Pro Day for Drew Locke. Nick Kendall's going to be there. And we'll let you know more in terms of exactly what that presence looks like. But, Zach, I don't expect anyone other than, than scouts, area scouts, to be there for that. Well, Elway's in Arizona right now for the NFL meetings, so that's why he's not going on the, the scouting tour. They'll, they'll have a scout. Every scout or every team was represented at Haskins Pro Day today, all 32 teams. Locke's having his Pro Day tomorrow, and the Broncos, it was reported that we'll bring him in for a pre-draft visit. So, yeah, they'll be on hand there. Uh, maybe Matt Russell will be on hand, but definitely not Elway. They will have a definitely, at the minimum, a scout. They will be checking him out. Yeah, but we'll uh... – Check back with us as a VIP. Just stay on top of the MHH Insiders Forum. I know Nick will be posting what he sees there, answering those questions and anything else you got. So stay on top of that. Next question here comes from No Fly Zone 2125, going on 15 months as a VIP subscriber. He says, with us addressing most of our main concerns in free agency, where do we go with the number 10 pick if Locke and Haskins are both there? 
could we snag one of them or trade down with Miami and Washington and get draft capital? And would Devin Bush still be available around then? How do you guys feel about the moves we've made in your honest opinion so far? Well, you've, you've probably already heard our grading uh, the offseason episode that we dropped on Thursday. So we'll kind of leave that last question as answered by that episode. As it relates to the previous question, Zach, let's start. I mean, what do you see at pick 10? If if both Locke and Haskins are there, would you be okay at that point with the Broncos trading back? Because, you know, Miami and Washington are going to be in on the quarterback and build up some capital and then maybe go with Devin Bush because I think it's going to be from that 10 to 25 areas where you're going to see Devin Bush go. If Locke and Haskins are both on the board and Elway moves back, it doesn't take one of them. I don't know how he'd, he'd survive that from a, a, a you know a fan and optics perspective. I would yeah. not look for them to trade back. I think BPA is really their their go to move in the draft. Whoever is the highest rated player on their board at that pick will be the guy. Whether it's a lineman, whether it's a safety, an inside linebacker, or a quarterback, we don't know until draft day. But it will be the best player available. That's why they took Bradley Chubb last year. That's why he's sticking to his guns this year. They will not draft for need. The one thing I don't see Elway doing, though, in this draft class is moving back. He'll stay put at number 10. He's guaranteed pretty much to land a blue chipper at an area of need, and I think he'll be good to go. I mean, if you look at John Elway's track record in in the first round, there have been years he's traded up. There have been years he's traded back. In fact, there was one year where he traded out completely of the first round in 2012, where he got Derek Wolf four picks into the second round. So... You know, is there a potential for a trade back? Sure. You know, and you hear things each and every year, but holding the 10th pick unless another team, there two things would have to be in play. Either another team offered him a king's ransom and or the guy that they have their heart set on that they can see being a major piece and a building block for the franchise, whether it's a quarterback or a non-quarterback, is off the board. So... I don't see either of those happening myself either. I think you're going to see the Broncos end up standing pat and taking someone at 10. And I, all I can tell you at this point, I think both Zach and I are on record, is that if either Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locker there at pick 10, we'll be disappointed if the Broncos don't take one of them. So next yep. question here comes from Aquaman H20, 19 months going on as a VIP subscriber. Aquaman says, while not our biggest need, I am a bit worried about wide receiver. How well will Emmanuel Sanders be able to play coming off an injury? Will our young receivers suffer a sophomore slump instead of having the needed improvement? With the limited resources still available, Zach, who is the best cheap free agent left? Who could we draft in round three or later Who could that could contribute right away? The one guy I like later in the draft is Penny Hart. And as far as free agent wide receivers, while you answer this, I'll pull it up on SpotTrack and see what's out there. Okay. Uh, one guy in the draft I like is Terry McLaurin from uh, Ohio State. I don't know where he's going to go in the draft to be too high for the Broncos, but he's a, a pure burner, and that's that's all they need in this offense. To me, though, it comes down to Sanders' health. Will he be ready for week one? Will that Achilles respond? If he can come back to being near what he was last year, he can still run those routes for Joe Flacco, still be that downfield presence. But they have to solidify that because they have no other burners on the roster. Sutton's a possession receiver, Patrick's a possession receiver, and uh, Deshaun Hamilton and is not that speedy. So they got to get a guy who can run down the field. I would look for it to happen in the draft. I don't think they're going to sign any more free agents. And Chad, I don't think there's much out there. Uh, it's pretty much a picked over market. So I think the draft is someone they'll look at in the later rounds. It's not a major priority. Yeah, I think that they're pretty well set at wide receiver. I mean, they are missing the 
the quintessential burner, but a lot of that hinges on Emmanuel Sanders. As far as what's available, yes, I mean, you want to talk about bare bones, bargain bin. The only guy I can really see jumping off the page as that can maybe fit, you, Tavon Austin's still out there according to Spot Track. Um, Pierre Garçon's still out there, but he's 33. Mm. So he's lost. And injured. Some, yeah. I mean, you know, you start going down. Martavis Bryant is out there. No, no way. There's a few There's a few guys. De'Anthony Thomas is out there. Mike Wallace. like Mike Wallace is out there. So there's some names out there, but... Like we talked about, I think it was on Tuesday's episode of the podcast, is the Broncos at this point, they're, doing, they're, they're working with about $15 million in cap space. you got to shave off about half of that, let's just say, for the, to sign the draft class. And then you also have to reserve a portion of that for emergency signings in the summer, late summer on the doorstep of the season and into the early part of the season. So, you, you know, and there's ways to get creative with contracts. Don't get me wrong, and I understand that. But the Broncos at this point, if they bargain bin shop and they sign someone else, it really needs to be the epitome of team friendly and it has to fit. It has to be something that they can count on. And I'm not really seeing anybody in the free agent pool jumping off the the page, so to speak, that I think the Broncos should go after. So I have to agree and concur with Zach here that the best option is going to be to roll with someone in the draft. My guy, I love Penny Hart, but I don't think his, his Aquaman – is completely off point here, Zach, in that some fans are a little bit nervous about Emmanuel Sanders being over 30 and coming off an Achilles injury that is known as sapping the explosion and twitch and and speed of pro players. So it will be interesting to see, you know, he's apparently ahead of schedule, but it's a concern. Yeah, as well, they should be concerned. It's it's scary for any player, but for a guy who relies on his explosion and his get-off using his foot, I mean, that's a possible career changer. I'm not saying career ender, but it's going to definitely hinder what he can do next year. He might not even be 100% until 2020. That's how these these injuries linger. If he can be anywhere near, like I said, though, 85%, 95% of what he was, th- that's good enough for this Broncos team. If he could just be that mentor type, that downfield threat, that's enough. Cortland Sutton's obviously the future, but I just don't think they're done adding to this group yet. There's nothing in free agency to me. If they wanted to sign a guy in Chad, they would have done it already. Okay, agreed. Here we go. Next question comes from Lone Star 34 Question going on one month, by the way, as a VIP subscriber, so still a newbie. Welcome to the fold. Glad to have you, brother. Are there any safeties, Zach, the team is targeting via draft or in free agency? We know they aren't going after Eric Berry, but are there a few guys that the team is looking at? Now, I, I haven't heard that the Broncos are particularly targeting any safeties in free agency, but there are plenty of young guys in this safety class in the draft that are interesting. There's Jonathan Abrams from Mississippi State. I think he was a guy that Eric Trickle mocked to the Broncos in one of his most recent mocks. You got, uh, I'll just go through the top ranked guys. You got Taylor Rapp from Washington. You got Juan Thornhill from Virginia. Darnell Savage from Maryland. Nasir Adderley from Delaware. Mike Bell, Fresno State. So there's some guys out there, and I would expect the Broncos, because here's the thing we've talked about on the pod before, Zach. You got Kareem Jackson, who you very eloquently stated. He's a guy that fills a couple of buckets, right? He's He mm-hmm. can play corner, so he can help replace the, the Bradley Roby body. And Darian Stewart, he can play safety. So it's in one fell swoop, they eliminated a couple of kind of big needs there. 
And so moving forward, I think the Broncos are pretty committed to maximizing what they have this year in their their, their safety core with Justin Simmons, Will Parks, Sua Cravens, and don't forget about DeMonte Thomas, who the team is remains really high on, and then Jamal Carter bouncing back from that. I think it was a torn hamstring. He tore off the bone yep. last year. So um, I don't see them signing a guy, Zach, but there's definitely going to be some options in the draft. Elway said himself, we like some of the young guys we have. And I think Fangio looked over the tape, looked over the roster. Will Parks is ready to make that leap from backup to starter. And he made a, a good leap last year. It's time for him now to see what he can do in that no-fly zone. It's not going to be – I thought it would be a major need. I thought they were going to go after Adrian Amos hard. But having Kareem Jackson changes everything now. And then signing Bryce Callahan on top of that, so you're not just relying on Jackson as a corner. It opens them up. If I had to name a guy in the draft, though, Chad, it was the first guy you mentioned, uh, Abrams. A guy who can play that dimebacker role like a Sua Cravens, inside linebacker and safety, can do a lot for Vic Fangio. It's just not going to be a, a targeted need. They can win with the players they have right now. Last question, and then we're going to get out of here, comes from Enusum37, going on 17 months as a VIP subscriber, very active on the MHH Insiders VIP forum. He says, how much do you think, Zach, teams waiting for the better QB class of 2020 will affect teams' decisions on drafting quarterbacks this year? So the you know this idea that the 2020 class is to be put on a pedestal, how much do you think that's going to either restrain, inhibit, or even motivate others to try and capitalize on 2019? Well, I mean, Chad, we heard it in person at the Combine when Elway singled out Justin Herbert in the 2020 class and said it's, uh, it could be a special class, whatever he said. And you're seeing it play out this year with the Dolphins. They are willingly tanking to get a quarterback next year or 2021. So yeah, it has that cachet for a good reason. It could be strong like the 2018 class. We don't we don't know just yet, but in comparison to 2019, it's an all-star group, and that's why teams are willing to sacrifice a year or go through a transition or a building year to get what they think is that transitional generational talent, like a Tua or like a Jake Fromm or like a Trevor Lawrence. They think it's worth it. Elway. I don't know. Uh, we don't know just yet if he thinks uh, kicking the can down the road that far is uh, viable for him. Yeah, but, I mean, you could see him going, you know what, we are going to wait one more year because we know, for example, that Herbert's going to be there next year, and we love Herbert. So if 2019 doesn't shake out the way we hoped it would with Joe Flacco and all the moves we made and the coaching hires and all that, we'll just go all in and do whatever it takes to get Justin Herbert or – you know, Jake Fromm next year or something like that, Tua maybe. We'll see how it shakes out. But I think that perspective or that mindset is misguided because nothing is guaranteed next year. I mean, you can't – even if you said, look, we're going to do whatever it takes to trade up and get a guy, you can't foresee that. You can't guarantee that. So you got to make hay while the sun's shining now. And the truth is the Broncos have a top-10 pick today. Right now the Broncos have a top-10 pick. If a quarterback's there, I think they got to capitalize and get one of those top-rated guys. Now, I'm not saying take Daniel Jones at pick 10. Don't get me wrong. No. <laughs> I'm not saying just take a quarterback. But I'm saying one of the top three guys, and even if it means Kyler Murray, I mean, I could be swung to that, but I'm mainly talking about Drew Locke and Dwayne Haskins. If that one of those guys are there at pick 10, Elway would be remiss to not come out of the second draft in a row holding a top-10 pick without this team's franchise quarterback of the future. I'm with you, Chad, spot on. And that's exactly why when I get a question like if the Broncos are faced with Locker, Haskins, or and Haskins, and they pass on both, to me it's just incomprehensible. Elway cannot come out of that scenario two years in a row without that having that franchise quarterback. 
I don't care how good he thinks Flacco is. you got to have that guy, that bridge to eventually get to the future. Flacco is not it no matter what he says. So, yeah, I'm with you. If they, they're staring down the barrel at Drew Locke at 10 and they go with you know Jonah Williams, uh, it's not going to be greeted uh, too nicely for John Elway. But hey, you guys, thank you for the questions. We appreciate you, valued VIP subscribers. Your support, you guys, is what allows us to keep this whole party rolling, not just the podcast, but everything that we do on the website. So we really appreciate your support. Those of you who have not pulled the trigger on becoming VIPs at Mile High Huddle 24-7 Sports, you got to capitalize and take this opportunity because we still have a good month and some change to go until the draft. And there's going to be a lot happening between now and then. You want to be riding shotgun with us on that and get all the insider info that we pick up along the way. Get in on these VIP mailbags every Friday. That's the best way to do it. So tomorrow you can look forward to on Saturday another episode of Building the Broncos. I know that Nick and Carl have a great guest on deck for that episode, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you guys, follow the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman247, myself, at Chad N. Jansen. You guys, have a great weekend. We'll be back with you again on Monday. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jansen. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.